Hey guys, what's up? Thank you for joining us this week for another episode of Heart on the Mic. As I mentioned last week, we will be continuing on the second half of the episode with my sister Yolanda Perez. We did leave off talking about her anxiety attack uh, that she had when she was at her boyfriend's house. So we're going to continue to dive in there and transition to talk about the other things. Here we go. That anxiety attack was a defining moment for you, I feel like, in your relationship too because you and Aldair were getting like pretty serious or you guys were already like dating at that point. Yeah, we were like, I mean, this was my boyfriend. So he was your boyfriend then. Okay. And I remember you having a concern of it happening at his house, happening at his house that his mom and dad were going to ask and find out that you had like anxiety and think something was wrong with you. Yeah. Do you remember like having those thought process? That I don't night? remember if mom had already gone missing. Um, mom went missing in 2014, so I don't know what year that anxiety attack was. So you would have graduated. Actually, yeah. I was right. Mom had already gone missing. So I my concern was they're going to find out I have anxiety. They're going to find out that I not only have anxiety, but that I had a panic attack basically in their driveway. Uh-huh. And they're going to think I'm crazy. Like they're going to think. They're, your concern I remember now is that you, they're going to think something's wrong with your family. Yeah. Like I remember being so embarrassed. Like. Um, thinking like they're gonna think this girl and her mom are weird, like their family's weird. I love my mom, and I know she's not weird, but this but wasn't perception. something they ever dealt with. Mm-hmm. So I remember just being afraid of that. But Aldair and Yadir and my in laws have so much grace. My in laws don't know I struggle with anxiety. They they might know, but it's nothing I ever voiced. Yeah. Um, and still to this day, it's just not something you talk about with them. No, my brother. Living behind in their bathhouse? No. My mother-in-law is very gracious. And if she sees I'm having, like, a low day, she has asked me before, like, hey, are you, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm good. Just because it's not something I'm, like, I know I have people I can call if I need it. But my brother-in-law, he dear, he is honestly, like, one of my best friends. He's an angel to me. He, he has my back, and he knows, like, he's given me that resource Obviously, because of my husband, it's different, you know? Um, whereas my brother-in-law, he's also, as like an outsider and a friend, he's like, you're our family, like, we're here for you if you need anything. So, I have a lot of reassurance in that. Thankfully, your husband has a twin. <laughs> yeah. My, I mean, my brother-in-law took me to the hospital when my water broke. Yeah. So, yeah, he's one of my best friends. And um, my brother, my husband is amazing, and he knows because he works a lot, it's great that his brother can be there, can for, be there for us. For all of you guys. Yes. And speaking of you saying that you have a support system, even though the same support system has always been there, you haven't been able to Use identify it, it and yeah. acknowledge it in the way that you do now. And credit to that is because you have a therapist now, correct? She's helped you girl. identify all that. Yeah, my therapist is amazing. Um, it took me some tries to find a therapist. You do have to date your therapist in a sense. Like, you have to find the right one. 
and I have amazing therapists who... And how many tries did it take you? Three? Uh, uh, well, I went to counseling as a kid, and it was like, gave me a bad vibe. Uh-huh. So this is like my third person. Um, and yeah, it was, she really helped me identify what's in front of my face. What's, what's there versus what's not and what the mapping was like not there, you know? Uh-huh. Um, so she's, she's helped me like put boundaries in place and use the resources that God has blessed me with. And I think for a long time, I didn't want to use like our family as resources. And I didn't want to use my in-laws as resources. But she's really encouraged me to use what's available. And even if that's like, hey, mother-in-law, um, I just need like 15 minutes to kind of just debrief. Even if that, for me, I love to clean. So if I'm like, can, you, can I leave Ezra here for 15 minutes? I just need to tidy up because a tidy space means like a clear space in my mind. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm not afraid to ask for that support. Or I would never leave Ezra with even my mom because I was just like, no, she has a lot, enough going on with her plate. Mm-hmm. We're having to realize and identify like my mom actually wants to spend time with Ezra mm-hmm. and she's offering for help. Like take that so you can go to Bible study. Yeah. No, and that's a big step because so many times I guess... For us, there's such a, a standard in our mind knowing that help isn't okay. Like for me, and that's what I, something I had to deal with. And it's perception because we perceived mom doing everything on her own without help from anyone. Honestly, yeah. she, we were never ba- babysat by anyone. Never. Mom babysat for everybody. So at least even for me, just becoming a mom recently, I'm like, if my mom can do this with three kids... And some. And others, like, I can do this. And it's just setting, like, an unhealthy tone. And that's what I told my therapist. I said, I said, well, you know what? Because the other day, um, I took my first therapy call with Ezra. It's mm-hmm. just been that kind of week. I'm doing the call with Ezra on me right now. Um, and I was like, you know what? My mom always had us. My mom always had all of us wherever she went. We didn't have a babysitter. And she said, well, what is that setting for Ezra? Codependency? What is that sitting for Ezra? Like, attachment? Mm-hmm. She's like, it's good if, you, if you're wanting him to be there. But then if you're feeling obligated, it's, one, it's another thing. Because motherhood, obviously, it's an obligation. But obligation has a negative tone to it. Like, you know what I mean? So she just reminded me, like, you're kind of, what, what tone are you setting for your family? Yeah, motherhood is... Because out there was home. Yeah. And Ezra could have been with his dad. But Ezra didn't want his dad. Just because of the kind of week he's having, you know? Yeah. So it's, kind of, it's teaching Ezra, like, oh, why not? Your, like, you don't need your dad. Subconsciously, that's what your therapist was telling you about? Yeah. That makes it. Well, yeah. So that motherhood is such just a, a whole other can of worms because as a mom, just as a mom in general, you feel that obligation where you're, you know, especially as always talking about, nursing and stuff too it's like well they're nursing they want to be with me and just stuff like that so it's a lot and learning how to delegate and to shift and even ask for help is such an important thing to do like even this morning I had a hard morning and I was just like I could have just verbalized that and told my husband like hey I'm having a hard morning give me extra time but instead I was like okay I'm gonna play with the baby I'm gonna clean your face I'm gonna change your diaper and then I'll just figure it out. Yeah. And sometimes we just have... It, thankfully, he knows how to read me enough where he's just like, I'm taking Trixie to work with me today. And 
I was able to gather myself and kind of pinpoint like, what's hey, happening? Why am I feeling this way? I'm like, okay, I'm feeling full of doubt right now. Why am I feeling doubt? And for everybody, it's different. You know, their anxiety or their triggers or what makes them angry is just a different thing and to each their own for whatever people are trying to overcome. But I know for you, it's uh, been something that you haven't been able to verbalize. So with your therapist, Cindy, able to help you identify the things, it's helped you in so many ways. Yeah. And initially, you didn't want to go to therapy because you had a bad experience with another person, and then you didn't want people to perceive it wrong or think that, like, you can't help yourself and just different things that you've shared. But... And being open about it, finally, you've even had people reach out, reach out and say things that shared about um, ways that you've encouraged them, but also you've had negative yeah comments too. Like I have remember that it. guy telling you something about church. Yeah, all you need is prayer or the Bible. Oh, this guy told me like, you don't need therapy. All your answers are in the Bible. I'm like, um, yeah, I totally know God can help me, but this kind of negative comment is I can't speak for my mom mm-hmm. I'm like but this kind of stuff is what calls my mom to get sick because she didn't get to take advantage of the resources that were available because she felt like she had to have just survive fully on faith which is great faith is great but like just like the doctor's office you know there's medicine nowadays just goes to show how insensitive people are even in the midst of someone literally sharing, sharing about that they're in therapy yeah. yeah any words of advice for someone who like has had a bad experience with a therapist or wants to go to therapy and doesn't know where to start or is kind of nervous i guess like if you feel you need a therapist then you should look for one um i, I know it could get a little overwhelming on how to find one depending on like your insurance situation if you're paying out of pocket um for me it was you know, calling my insurance provider and finding someone in my my plan. Because I, mm-hmm. I didn't want to pay for it, you yeah. know. So it really depends on that. And I think it's getting over that, that fear. Um, the reason I didn't want to go back to therapy is because my second therapist actually triggered a lot of my anxiety. So it wasn't like, it didn't feel like a safe space. It actually felt like she would pull everything from me and then send me home with it. Whereas with therapy now, I don't feel like that. It feels like, we open up, we check in, we, ch- we touch on it, we talk about it, we pull it out, we, we calm it back down, and check back in next week. And the first prior experience, how many years ago was that? Like three years ago? Or what caused you at that time? Was it mom? It was 2015. So I had finally decided like, okay, I'm going to go into therapy. I was afraid that I was going to follow in mom's footsteps. Because of your anxiety? Yes. Your panic attacks? Because of my anxiety me, and then my panic attacks starting to really come out. I was afraid that I was going to follow in my mom's footsteps. And I was afraid, what if I had a, like, imbalance? What if, I was afraid, like, what if I'm bipolar? Because all my life I was told how aggressive I had been, how um, much of a loud mother I had been. So I was associating that with bipolarism. And I'm not bipolar. I got tested just to be safe. And there was nothing found, you know? Mm-hmm. So it was more, that's the reasoning why I went into therapy for the first part. And I think um, this therapist is really important to find a therapist for yourself because this therapist, I think she was, well, she was also my mom's therapist. I think she was, like, associating me and my mom mm-hmm. a lot. 
And it's like, well, I'm not my mom. You can't treat me like my mom. Yeah, that makes sense. And then fast forwarding from 2015, when did you get engaged? Or when did you come back from Australia? 2017. In the midst of all that, you're like, okay, I'm going to school abroad. Had that experience, came back. And what year did you get engaged? 2017. Oh, you got engaged the same year? Yeah. Okay, and then you got married. No, let me see. Got it. Sorry, I got engaged 2018. Came back 2017, got married 2018. 18. I got. I came back 2017 in July. So I was in Sydney from January to July. Came back in July for life and then stayed. And then I got engaged in 2018, almost a year later, in May. And when you came back in July, you were in a pretty good headspace, right? Oh, I was in a great headspace. I'd really just felt like I had went to Australia and, like, conquered a lot of my anxiety. And it was, like, my my mountain with Jesus. Uh-huh. Like, I didn't focus on school. Like, I was there for school, but it wasn't, like, I feel like God sent me to Australia for such a different reasoning. Uh-huh. And, like, the scolding was just the vehicle. Okay. It really just took me out. And that's where my relationship with my dad really grew. And so then I came back in 2018. And when do you feel like your anxiety crept back in? Mm-hmm. Once you came back to the U.S. or what? I feel like I was really fine the first year. And then um, obviously I had to find a job again. And like financial instability is a trigger for me. So yeah, financial instability would definitely trigger me. Or like trying to look for a job. And, and then you felt like you scored. You found a good job, right? Yeah. That I- you felt like. You, you finally got lucky on because you didn't have experience doing HR and you ended up doing HR stuff, right? Yeah, so I got a good job. I liked it. Um, and then COVID stuff hit. We had a good job. At the same time, you finished your under your got- stuff at GWC and then you got accepted to Cal State Fullerton. Mm-hmm. And then shortly after that, you found out you were pregnant and then COVID, right? Yeah, so... Got a good job, um, graduated, and then I was pregnant, which I was happy because I wanted to get pregnant, but then I also didn't realize mm, probably doesn't make sense now to transfer to Cal State Fullerton because I was so sick while pregnant. Uh-huh. And then um, I had Ezra, and then COVID hit. So, do you feel like your anxiety spiked pre pregnancy or during your pregnancy? My ex- and or everything happened at basically so close well, when together. I was pregnant. I had a lot of panic attacks, mm-hmm. and it scared me. Aldair was at home a lot while I was pregnant, so I was lonely a lot. Being alone and finances both are triggers for me. So yeah, I was lonely a lot most of my pregnancy. So yeah, I remember just getting overwhelmed with it, and I'd get panic attacks. And I would like scare myself because I was also pregnant. I was like, oh my god, you can't be having a panic attack, you're pregnant. And that would kind of give me a panic attack because I'm like, I'm pregnant, I'm having a panic attack. Uh, now I'm having a real panic attack. It was, it was really scary. Because your hormones go out of whack when you're pregnant. So how would you manage panic attacks while being pregnant? This is the first time I've ever heard you had a panic, panic attack while you're pregnant. Yeah, I didn't want to tell anyone. Because you didn't want them to... I just didn't want to worry. freak you guys out. So, like, Aldair knew. Um, Aldair knew, but I didn't want to, like, freak the family out that I was having panic attacks. So I would just kind of, like, really have to regulate my breathing. And sometimes I just have to ride the panic attacks out by myself. And Aldera would come pick me up and, like, take me out for a walk or just change of scenery. And then 
postpartum happened, right? Yeah. And so. things skyrocketed. They got worse. I told my OB, you know, um, my mom, this is her situation. Um, trigger warning. I do have, like, a past of suicidal, like, tendencies, like, which we didn't touch on. And I don't want to say tendencies because it's, like, I feel like I... More thoughts, right? More thoughts. Like, I've never, like... Did you ever, like... No, I never cut my wrist. I never never understood that. But I... It was... The right way of avoiding it is not wanting to be here. Okay. So it wasn't that I wanted to die. It's I just didn't want to be alive. And I've shared that with my therapist, and it's, like... It's more like an escape. Like, I kind of want to escape for a little bit, but I'll be right back. Mm. And I told my OB that, like, you know, I have a past of that. She asked, Is it hard for you to say that? It is hard. Because sometimes they ask so much, and even me not having, like, past like that, I was like, these are harder questions to answer sometimes. I think um, I own it. I, like, don't have any shame in it. I don't tell talk about it I don't think I think a lot of people be surprised actually yeah but um there's only one time where I really really think of I know I was ready to like die and again it triggers from being alone Mm -hmm. and I can't blame anyone you know because in the midst of my anxiety my anxiety was saying I mean you're you're anxious around too many people don't be around too many people it's going to overwhelm you Uh but then I'm home and I'm alone so then me being alone from my anxiety causes me to get a panic attack. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, in that, that case, I was home alone, and I was really just in a dark place in my mind. And this is in the midst of having a boyfriend, having a really good life, but feeling just alone in it uh-huh. and misunderstood. At that point, I was also trying to lose a lot of weight again. And so I remember just, like, writing down, like, a letter to the family I don't know if I ever said that. Oh, shoot. I remember this. I think mom found it. No, I don't. I mean, I hope not. I just I think I ripped. I, I know eventually I ripped it. Living at the house they live at, right? Yeah. I don't really know. I, I blocked a lot of it out, but I know I fell asleep that day. I was really crying. I was just like crying in the room. And I like wrote a letter to the family basically saying like, like, I'm sorry, but like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah, and what, you just happened to fall asleep on accident instead? Um, I was crying so much of, like, pain, I fell asleep in it. Yeah, and I know that's a God thing, you know, and I'm grateful to God for that. I fell asleep in my pain of just, like, it's like when a baby cries himself to sleep, and that's really what happened to me. Yeah. And I don't I don't really remember, like, what, comes from, what came after, um, but yeah, I mean... That was like my first and only moment where I was ready to actually like be gone. Be gone. And another time, so from that point on, I started getting better at expressing that I was in pain. So it took me 18 years. It took me 18 years to finally express like I was hurting for so long from just internal stuff. And I remember driving home one day and just like wanting to crash. And just like ready to like just turn the wheel and just crash. And I was, like, driving so close to my steering wheel, like, saying, like, you keep going. Like, you get yourself home. Like, get home right now. And I was driving so close to the wheel, like, making sure I just keep driving. And just, like, by the grace of God, there wasn't getting, like, many lights, honestly. And I remember just getting home, parking the car in front of the house, keys in the engine and everything, and running inside the door and saying out loud, like, I'm going to kill myself. 
like if you guys don't stop me right now I'm going to kill myself and I mean I look back and I've, I've, I've never said anything to my dad about it but I've always wanted to ask my dad like what did that feel like and that's so crazy to me because knowing that like obviously Priscilla is usually the one who's like more like vocal with dad I'm like yeah as kids yeah I was more neutral and you were always more vocal with mom mom. it's always crazy how God has orchestrated those moments where you've been at your worst for dad to be there yeah because I know it destroyed my mom not like destroyed but you know my dad's very strong yeah but yeah I just remember running inside the house when he was on the kitchen the front door wasn't even locked, which is which always not like locked. That. Yeah, he's on like the kitchen, and he's in the kitchen, the living in the, he's in the kitchen, on the table, and I'm like, I just screamed it out, like, if you guys don't stop me, like I'm gonna kill myself, I'm gonna kill myself. And the car was just in the, and I don't remember what happened. Like I didn't, I don't ever, I never realized till this call, this podcast that I blacked a lot of things out. And so yeah, I remember that just being like a big deal. Is that 18? It finally 19 is when I finally really started expressing, like... And you don't even remember what happened after that, like... I don't... You just... You, you made it home and you were safe. I yeah, was, you told Dad. I was just relieved I made it home because I was ready, like... I mean, I was passing, like, train tracks on my way home. I was passing, like, empty... I In the... While, my, while I was trying to get home, I was thinking, like... This is a good spot. This is a good spot. This, you know... And I was just ready to die. But other... The, before those... Other times, aside from those two points... Because it wasn't death. It was just being gone. Yeah. Like disappearing. I remember my dad just also asking like, at one point, I don't know when, but like, why? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Because I didn't. I was just, um, I have a really hard time pinning like which feelings I'm feeling. Yeah. That's something I learned through therapy is that I'm really bad with how I'm feeling, like how to express like the feeling to it. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know because... I didn't really grow up using feelings. It's very much hot or cold. And much, and not to say that mom and dad, mom and dad were very affectionate. Yeah, good and people. Gave us what we needed, but I think just them not knowing how to cope with their traumatic yeah. histories, it didn't even. It came. From they're the survivors. Yeah, mom and dad are just survivors, and with mental health being something, as we get older now, it's a apart genetic apart environmental yeah and for our family we've learned that it's on both sides mm-hmm. and that's why for my postpartum I was so um adamant on making sure my doctor knew that I had struggled with the dark past yes yeah. I mean I basically told her like I'm I'm gonna end up with postpartum depression I'm almost sure yeah and I did and the first like two weeks I'm like okay is this baby blues or is this postpartum depression and I knew I was like nope this is this is pure depression. Yeah. And I think it came as soon as with COVID. Because I had Ezra like two weeks before COVID. And we before the shutdowns. Yeah. Before the big shutdowns. So that's what I I had a baby into the shutdowns. And that's really what caused a lot of the Because then you weren't going back to your job that you thought you were set yeah, for. Yeah, I got laid off because COVID. So that financial You weren't continuing your goal of education. Mm-hmm. I wasn't seeing my family. No. And I was really alone in it. And, and I had a newborn. And I think um, having a baby is really scary because no one's going to tell you their intrusive thoughts. Intrusive thoughts are, like, so scary to me because postpartum depression isn't, like, you're just sad. Postpartum depression doesn't mean you don't love your baby because you do. 
but it's the stuff that's around it. It's like the constant fear. My my intrusive thoughts were the constant fear of what's going to happen to Ezra. Like going to the grocery store and someone kidnapping your kid. Yes, walking in the mall and him falling off the ledge. Like, how's that going to happen? It's not. Like, or like walking down the street and some car just comes up and takes you guys. Exactly. I get that. So my intrusive thoughts were always so intense and I didn't know it was normal. I And Adair would be like, what's wrong? I'm like, I can't tell you because you're going to think I'm crazy. <laughs> like, I didn't want to tell people I was so scared of my son getting hurt because I thought they, I perceived it as they're going to think I'm going to hurt my son. Yeah. Because I didn't know this was a normal thing that happens, like that fear that comes with postpartum depression. Yeah. For some. Yeah, yeah. for some. So. Um, and that just comes to the conversation of like, People have to be so mindful of women having a baby. Oh, my gosh. Keep your opinions to yourself and just extend your hand to to whatever need that they have. And if it even if it's as simple as, you know, offering to send dinner or send flowers or stopping by to bring groceries or doing dishes, it's not about like the fact that you are saving them money or something it's the gesture and just you extending a helping hand because you really don't know what's going on in their head or what they're adjusting to or the fact that like and some their baby so is good. so good and then all of a sudden like once like Arya mm-hmm. once I'm home alone she's up screaming crying you know and every two hours wanting to feed when she was a newborn and it's like, duh, that's what you should expect. Some people, like, embrace and they're like, oh, I'm able to hold my baby all night long. And no, I was up all night long with Ezra, do you remember? So, yeah, so it's just so hard being sleep-deprived while your hormones are out of whack. And You're in a stranger's body, it feels like. And it's just a whole mess. So, you know, I understand why some people do the, like, 40 days at home or in bed and just have people to come over, but... Even for me, I was, like, in a sense, like... You needed to get out. I needed to get out, but I was also trying to set boundaries to be, like, okay, my husband's gone at work all day. Once he comes home, like, I don't want there to be company because I want to be able to, like, enjoy my time with my family. So I just won't have anybody come over because then I don't want to kick anybody uh, out. Yeah. Like, those were thoughts I had. Or, like, not. I didn't go for a walk for a long time because mm-hmm. I was nervous that someone was going to, like... Take you guys. Pray on us and me not even notice and then like something happened and it be my fault. Just. It's hard. Yeah. It just in kudos to those moms who, you know. Well, Priscilla had Mila and she was at Walmart and I was with her. I was like, but it was her second kid. Yeah. But she was so much stronger and it stuck out to me because I remember a lady seeing us in the store and she stopped Priscilla and she was like, good for you. Because she knew. I didn't know what she meant, you know? Yeah. I was still pregnant at that time. And sometimes it's the simple things, but that I'm, you know, as a mom trying to learn how to do it all, it's like, well, I haven't even brushed my hair, or I'm still in my pajamas, or let's shower, or this, or I haven't even ate lunch. Like, you just, my current mantra is make it work. Yeah. Like, that's just where I'm at. Instead of, you know, I love that. trying to make an excuse or get frustrated or get upset or discouraged like that's my encouragement to myself these days is just make it work and I even tell my husband like all the time like make it work (laughs) if a single mom can do it who has no support because there are those women yes and they just do it I'm like 
I can do it too. And it's not a comparison, but it's an encouragement, encouragement for you. Like I can do this on those hard days because it does take a village to you know do it. And the people who do it without a village, like mad props to them. Yeah, I know. For me, during with like after I had Ezra in postpartum, I was like, I I I need a village, um, and I didn't feel like I had that village because you were pregnant. Uh-huh. I didn't want to take advantage of you. And you guys were all available. I think we're so overly mindful of each yeah. other. Yeah, oh, we're because, so mindful of each other. Because we've seen how much, like, mom and dad just go out of the way for people without even people considering them. That yeah. we over-consider each other. Like, Oh, we do. Me and, me, I text you, like, four different times just to make sure it was okay to come today. Yeah, and I was like, yeah. Like, you were even like, is that okay? I'm like, thumbs it up. Like, dealing with a meltdown. And, like, and then even, like, <laughs> Priscilla, I remember... Mila was a month old, and mom hadn't been at Priscilla's house for a month with Mila, uh-huh. um, and Ezra had just had Ezra, but I felt so guilty even having mom over. Yeah. I was like, go to Priscilla's, go to Priscilla's, because like I knew Priscilla had two kids. Yeah. So I remember just, but also thinking like, oh, I need some village, but at the same time just be like, Priscilla needs more of a village, you know? Yeah, exactly. So we just like overly consider yeah. each other sometimes. For sure. I don't know where I was going with that. Oh, I think I know what you're going to say. I feel like this might lead you back because it's about postpartum depression. I had postpartum depression for 10 months until I finally reached out to help, for help mm-hmm. for my therapist. So I remember my third month, and it was Priscilla's birthday. Mm-hmm. I remember just, like, being in the car so sad, so just overwhelmed because I could, we couldn't even, like, drive 15 minutes away without just feeling overwhelmed I felt overwhelmed so I'm in the car with Aldera and I say I need help oh. and, the, and that took so much for me that's what I was gonna say okay go on it took so much for me to announce that I need help and he was like okay like what do we need to do bless his heart you know <laughs> I love my husband but he's not a woman he doesn't understand and it took me a big deal to say I think I need to get on some medication and I think I need more help like a therapist or something and I'm the one that's all about like holistic approaches and like clean non-toxic ways and stuff of that and so he was like you know what let's let's give it some time and we'll see from there but there wasn't like a deliver there wasn't like a step on how we were gonna that wasn't the answer you needed yeah they did okay so what are we gonna do to help me you know so I stayed another seven months spiraling Wow. And I just, it was so hard. And I don't think he really understood. I think he just thought maybe, like, postpartum is hard on people or something, you know, because he comes from such a healthy dynamic, a healthy family. And I think for husbands, too, they they only, for working husbands. They only see so much. They see what they come home to. And at least for me, I know. um, The house is clean. There's food. Right. We survived. We survived the day, and now we're excited for our husband to be home from work. Yeah. To be with their family. So it's like, we don't want to unload, like, hey. Everything on them. Here's my trauma for the day. (laughs) And, yeah. That's exactly. Here's everything. Even though that's what they're there for, you want to enjoy, like, the present and the company and not be so, like, entangled in everything else that can be added to the dynamic. Yes. As a new mom, it I get that. I remember having those days where, like, one day Albino came home 
and he bought me wiener schnitzels because I love that and I didn't have it all my pregnancy. Why not? Because you're not supposed to eat hot dogs. Mm. And I'm like, can we eat on the patio? It's a nice day outside. So we're going on the patio and I start crying. Oh. Putting ketchup on my food, and he's like, "What's wrong?" And I was it's like, "Not made right." <laughs> I'm like, "I don't know." No, I said, "I'm okay," and then I go in the house, and I'm just bawling. And he like, <laughs> he's like, so he came inside. He's like, "What's wrong?" I was like, "I don't know what's wrong. I don't know what's wrong. I'm just having a hard day." Because you really don't know how to verbalize. No, sometimes. it's so hard. I, my just, whole life, <laughs> and it's not even like I fortunately didn't have postpartum depression. It's just baby blues. I had the baby blues. It's just the stress of everything and the hormones and just all of it. The newness. Yeah. I just didn't know how to verbalize it. So speaking up is just a huge big step in itself. And I felt like I kind of got shut down. Mm -hmm. I know that wasn't the intent. So, I mean, by the grace of God, like, he kept going, you know. It was hard. It was really hard the next seven months. (laughs) That's a long time. <laughs> super, super hard. I would cry and cry. I remember even telling me, and I'm like, bro, screw the holistic approach. Go see it there. Yeah, and I was just stressed, and I, I went to my brother-in-law, and I said, um, well, fast forward, a little rewind. It was, I mean, I was overwhelmed, you guys. I, I went to my mom's house crying. I just put the baby in the car one day, and I just... Let him cry the whole way. No, I, I ditched out there. We were supposed to go to the mall or something. And I was, like, just so overwhelmed with the pressure. I ditched out there, put the baby in the car. He wasn't even crying. I was crying. Pulled up to my mom's and dad's. They didn't even know I was coming. And they're, like, immediately I walked in and I just said, I'm so tired. I'm tired and I'm crying. I think my dad got scared. I think he was scared. Oh, flashbacks? Yeah. I think he got scared. He's like, what are you tired of? Like, what do you mean? And I can tell him, like, he was worried. But I'm just, I'm, I, no, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm tired. And I just, they grabbed Ezra and they let me, like, just lay on the couch. And I think I fell asleep. But, I mean, that was a big step, you know, to just, like, drive off and say, like, please, someone help me. Yeah. You know? Because um, so much, like, we're thinking, like, I have no help. When my mom and dad sitting at the house watching TV, you know, like, <laughs> they don't even know, you know? They had no idea I was stressing out. Yeah, that's so true. Mom and dad are super helpful and there. And I think just from being overly... I don't even know the word. Concerned? No, just our whole life having so many people involved in our space. Like, I think we could, I could say all of us are like. We isolate? Yeah, we like having our time to ourselves to just unpack. be. Yeah. And unpack. Yeah, and sometimes it's just dangerous if you don't. If you keep unpacking and unpacking and unpacking. Circle back to like, okay, I had my moment, now let me get out There's of the There's one house. thing to like. Or make have a hard call. day, but there's another thing just to like have a hard seven months. You know, yeah, I can't even imagine you having long seven. Wow. So what finally got you to meet Cindy? Um, after that day, you're just like, screw it, I'm gonna do what I want. I got in the car in the morning one day, and I was just desperate. I was, I was tired, and I just sat in the car by myself. I needed space. That's all I could find was my car, and um, I just called my doctor. Um, and I, it was the helpline. Like, I, I literally just called, like, I think it's, like, the suicide depression helpline. And I was like, I don't know what to do, but I need help. 
And they're like, okay, well, first of all, like, are you going to take your life? I'm like, no, no, like, I don't want to die. I'm very familiar with my feelings, you know? Like, I don't want to die. I just don't want to be here in this moment. And she's like, okay, um, what's your situation? What's your background? I said, um, well, I had a baby. She's like, okay, how long? And I said, in February. And she's like, wait, what? And I'm like, yeah, February. And she's like, like, 10 months ago? I'm like, yeah. And then she's immediately transferred me over. She's like, oh, okay. Like, you could tell, like, she was worried. Yeah. So immediately transferred me over to the next person. And they're like, they gave me just therapist numbers to call. Yeah. They gave me some resources there. And they were saying, normally, um, you won't get directed to therapy right away, but make sure you give them this information. They'll get you immediate assistance. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, the, my first step was calling the helpline after seven months and just saying, like, I feel broken, you know? Yeah. And so then I called some therapists, and my therapist um, directed me to... The, she wanted just to get properly diagnosed. So then my therapist had me just check in with my OBGYN, and also had me check in with um, a psychologist, and yeah, so then that's that's really how I got help. It just took a lot. Um, I think there's a lot of there's a stigma to therapy and there's a stigma to medication. And I told my brother-in-law like, hey, my therapist thinks I should get on like a super low dosage of medicine just to kind of like balance some things out because I'm so irritable. And he said, I think that'd be a great idea. Like, super supportive. And I just told him, like, I'm just worried about what Aldera will say. Um, but, yeah, Aldera was like, okay, let's do our research. And I don't normally talk to people like, I'm on medication. That's no one's business. But, you know, um, yeah, that's what I ended up doing. And it really made a difference. And I, I remember, like, as I started taking my medication and being in therapy and really just actually finally focusing on, like, my inner health. Mm-hmm. Um, because I was focusing on like my diet help, but it could only go so far. And I remember clearly like texting you and Priscilla and saying like, I feel like sunshine. And I hadn't felt like that in a long time. I felt, I felt like so weights off my shoulder because it was like in my mind, in the way that I am, like these tasks are manageable but they felt like so much to bear, mm-hmm. you know? I know for you, you've always had a fear of it being like a lifelong thing. It's yeah. not. It's not my therapist and I, and um, it's not like a psych- psychiatrist. Like, it's, the psychologist is a fancy name for like doctor who prescribes you medication because your therapist won't for their sake, right, you know? So my psychologist, my therapist, my OB, and myself are all in the same game, game plan of, you know, just like, Helping balance out those hormones that really changed after I had a baby. Um, and making sure, you know, I feel good place. in a healthy place. And it's not a long-term thing. I and think that, that stigma was scary. Yeah, exactly. And the sh- and that shift has allowed you to be in another place as far as your confidence level and what you're doing now, which you've shifted into, you know being a mom who works from home and doing yeah. Arbonne and all that stuff. And it's, I feel like you've blossomed so much in just taking that step because you have 
a balance, you have uh, boundaries, you have a routine, and you are definitely sure of what you're doing, and that's super important. I'm so confident in myself. I'm hand in hand. Um, you know, the reason I got through some of those seven, those seven months without help is because I'd also changed so much in my physical health mm-hmm. and changed the way I ate and what I, I was really nurturing my body, right? I was really feeling my body and feeling my soul with the proper things, but it wasn't enough, right? You can't just put a band-aid on things if yeah. there's deeper. So like hand in hand with therapy and medication, I also started taking care of my gut health and my mind and practicing forms of self-care but you can't just call put self-care on something and call it a win you know yeah like your self-care needs to go deeper and then um so between all of that that's how the confidence really came and that's what something i want people to understand about because for a while i was getting annoyed because people were like asking me like about you and we've had those conversations where people have been rude and said things you know what are they asking (laughs) <laughs> like, no, we've no talked kidding. about it already, but, like, how has Yolanda, like, lost all that weight so fast yeah. postpartum or, like, people that I know after having babies? Like, how did Yolanda do it? Like, and they didn't see all the work. They didn't see the seven months behind the scenes. And not only that, like, you know, it's not just Arbon. Like, and I always tell you that, like, I never yeah. want people to see you as just our bond like there's so much to your journey that's like my vessel and our bond's just been able to help show it show show help give me the confidence of what i was doing yeah and for all those people who have asked and wondered how you've done it like it wasn't just oh you're going to start selling our bond and your life just changed oh heck like you've it's been years of work and yeah it started with me actually saying yes to my fear of therapy mm-hmm. started with me saying yes to breaking my stigma of medication um just my disclaimer like i had a huge fear of a mental hospital yeah you know when mom went missing like they had to put her in and that was a tra- whole traumatic thing and that was very traumatic for me thinking my mom had to go to a mental facility so when i started having panic attacks that scared me yeah so i knowing i was okay but not okay at the same time so the thought of medication, I associated with that. And by the way, my mom was there on a voluntary hold yeah. just for 48 hours. Yeah, my mom's safe. But she, you know, that that happening voluntarily, had, it scared me, you know? Yeah. And so me taking that stigma to breaking that stigma and getting on medication and then my, going to my therapist who really helped me practice forms of self-care, um, it changed so much because my forms of self-care started actually going outside my house and getting fresh air. Yeah, and it just didn't have to do with skincare. No, and that was the big that was the biggest thing for me was I literally had to make the decision every day to walk out my door. Yeah. Um that was one of the biggest things because I used to I used to sit in my car and dread going to the grocery store. I was so nervous. And I had to work through that with my therapist. So there's a lot, there was a lot of work behind it. Like people who grow on social media, they don't just grow overnight. They put a lot of work into it throughout the years and all of a sudden they go viral and then people think, oh, that's because, no, they put a lot of work into that, you know? Yeah. And I feel like I put a lot of work into myself and my confidence this past two years. And the only reason I, not the only reason, but the reason I had the confidence 
to showcase myself with R1 is because I was working on myself internally. Yeah. And now your confidence has blossomed even more because, you know, the role that you feel. And it's not easy showing up, obviously. Oh, so hard. Everybody knows that. And juggling motherhood and doing Arbonne. And it is a business from home. Oh, yeah. With having a baby. How do you get yourself to show up on those hard days or on those days where Ezra's having a hard day or... Just in general, how do you get yourself to show up? Yeah, I'm literally building a business with a baby on my back. Like, literally, literally right now. now. Um, And I get myself to show up because I shared something on my story today, actually. Um, When I started using Arbonne's products, I was like, dude, this is the fountain of youth. And I kept, I decided to show up because if there was anyone else out there like me, who had zero confidence or felt anything like I did, I wanted to show up for that person, honestly. That's that's that one side of it, was showing up for who anyone else who felt as lost as I did. And the second part of showing up is knowing that there is a business model out there that can give me, that can be my vehicle to bringing my husband home more often. Like those, those two things are the mental things that get me to show up. But actually, like, something so simple as walking out my door and putting on some jeans helped me show up for my business. Because you, you, it's like you have to get ready for your job. You don't leave, you don't go to the office in your sweatpants, right? True. And so for me, I feel like it's, um, that little shift and change gets me ready for the work day. Does that answer? No, yeah, that, that makes sense. But... That was a whole, a whole lot. Was it that we dove into? Good, I feel like I'm such. Lot. I feel like I'm such a like. I think I um so easy to speak on things if someone's like talking to me naturally. Yeah, I don't even realize like what I'm saying sometimes. I have that effect on people. It's beautiful. <laughs> but um, my last question is, if you had to ditch every other product. But one Arbonne thing, what one would you keep with? Keep for the rest of your life? For the rest of my life, 1000%. The Digestion Plus, which is the gut health. Gut health oh, I knew, probiotics. Gonna, I knew you were going to say that. You want to know why? Because your gut health is linked to your mental health. Yep. I know you say that all the time. It's very important to me. So even ditch skincare over your gut health. Yeah, for your gut health. 1000%. And. If there's somebody who couldn't, can't afford the gut health, what's a, one simple way they can take care of their gut health? One simple way. <sighs> I would just say start eating full nutrient-dense food. Nutrients-dense. You heard it live from the Arbon guru. <laughs> if you can't afford Arbon now, look, look into nutrients-dense food. Full foods, real foods. No GMO. Yeah, just natural foods. Like, God is so gracious to us. He provided provided us with real natural medicine for our bodies. And that's food. The way, the way, way you fuel yourself fuels yourself, you know? Nourish to flourish, baby. All right, guys. Thank you. I probably missed some bases, but that's okay because we touched on so much stuff that is just valuable and 
full of mental nutrients. Look who's up. Okay. Well, Ezra's waking up, guys. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode, and I hope you enjoyed what we talked about. That's a wrap.